Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. It's not too late. It's only 8.30. Feels a little a little earlier than normal. The sun just barely went down. Oh, it's late in the draft process, though. By the time you hear this, it'll be draft day. We're actually a couple days before. Hopefully, we've got most of the rumors down and possibilities down. You never know. If something bre- breaks within the next 48 hours, uh, you may be a little bit ahead of us. But it just feels like it's been a year now since the season ended, and it's been ticking down to this moment that will not be the culmination of the offseason process, but will certainly be its beginning. Speaking of the season ending, I just need to take a minute and say that when we made our predictions, I had the Golden State Warner, the Golden State Warriors winning the whole thing. So, um, congratulations to me. That's what it was all about. This was not about Steph Curry. This was not about redemption story for Clay Thompson after all the injuries. It was about (laughs) Dia. I'm never going to pass up an opportunity to be right, Dave, ever. (laughs) I I had Milwaukee and I was in solid company. A lot of NBA uh, experts uh, had, I mean, like players had Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, back. Well, this was, was like- this was a, I got into a, a conversation about this on Twitter today because, it, it, you know, all, all these fans that are not Blazers fans and have no idea any of the inner workings of the Blazers were, you know, once again coming at me about how Dame was going to be traded and he wasn't going to be here. And it's like and it was actually both Aaron Fentress and I, which we don't always agree. But today we were on the same team and both of us are there. There was kind of funny because they obviously don't know who he is for sure. And I don't think they knew, you know, anything about me either. But they're coming at us with, well, you can't be emotionally att- attached fans when you're talking about this stuff. And I'm thinking, have you ever read one of Aaron Fentress's tweets? Because he is definitely not an emotionally attached fan. But we were talking about, um, you know, they're they're just going at it about how Dame's going to be traded and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, we had this whole debate on Twitter. And then I got to think about it. It's like, you know, everybody makes predictions. Like, with, uh, there may come a day, maybe Damian Lillard in his mind has this idea that he's going to be with the Portland Trailblazers until he ends his career. And I fully believe that right now he probably believes that. I think the team probably believes that they'll keep him as long as they can. And so all of us that are getting this information, that's what we think too. But next year, maybe an offer comes that he can't resist and he starts to shift his his ideas and his thoughts and whatever. And now, again, disclaimer, I'm not not suggesting we trade <laughs> before anybody comes at me. But my point is all of us, fans, media, everybody that's putting their opinions and their guesses and their predictions out there, we're all just making educated guesses. None of us really know. And, and you're going to be wrong sometimes. CJ McCollum had the Boston Celtics as winning the finals. And I had the Golden State Warriors as winning. And I was right. And CJ McCollum was wrong. Which one of us is a smarter basketball mind? I'm going to go with CJ McCollum, professional basketball player. He's He knows more about this than me. I just happened to guess right. 
So, you know, all of these things are, are predictions. These are things that we're just putting out there and guessing, looking at it based off of what we think and what we know. And so um, I happen to be right this time, but I'm not always. There's plenty of takes you can find of mine that are wrong. Okay, so let's, Damien Lillard trade, we can now put a timeline on. Uh, it would happen, the serious discussion or thought of it would happen no earlier than September. And that is if complete disaster happens this summer. Um, yes. It would be more likely that it would be mid-season that it would pick up, but neither one of those, I think I think there's an 0.5% chance that there's any serious momentum this fall, I think there's maybe a 10, 15% chance that it could be trade deadline momentum, although I don't think he'd be dealt at the trade deadline, but that's when it picks up. If it's going to happen, it's pretty obvious at this point, it would happen next summer, not this summer. So anybody who's claiming that the Blazers are going to trade Lillard are just kind of playing that. I mean, yeah, it's like saying, well, it's going to be December. Yep, it's going to be December, but not tomorrow. Well, it has came on the on the uh, in the response to a, a tweet about Kyrie and, you know, Kyrie and, and the Nets not being able to come to terms. And so Kyrie is going to be, you know, going somewhere else. And people are like, well, who's the who's the most feasible player like that you could get for Kyrie in a trade? And so but the Blazers are not going to take Kyrie Irving over Damian Lillard. That's just that's not going to happen. Well, I mean. That would be ridiculous. Um, yeah. Hold on just a second. Now, spin for, I mean, why don't you want Kyrie? I mean, give me three reasons you don't want Kyrie. I actually like Kyrie. I wouldn't trade Dame for him, but I like Kyrie. But I don't think, I think Kyrie is one of those players that is very unpredictable. Um, and so why would you take somebody like Dame, who is fairly predictable, who's been very loyal to the team, who you know is here for the long run? He, you know, he wants to make a career here as of now, at least. Why would you trade somebody like that who's part of the community and part of, you know, Rip City and, and well loved by all the fans? Why would you trade him for somebody like Kyrie, who is unpredictable and could make it through half a season and have a reason that he feels like he can't play or that he needs to go to a different team. It's just, to me, you don't take that kind of a gamble for that kind of a price. So, yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, the, the outside possibility would be that Kyrie sticks with his current contract plays one more year. So the incentive for Portland would be going young and shedding cap space after this year. I'm not saying that they would do that. They won't. But I'm saying if you were looking at a logical reason for them to make that deal, that would be it. But that would not be enough on its own. They would have to have a influx of young talent and or more likely draft picks coming from Brooklyn in order to make that make sense. And I don't know if you've checked, but Brooklyn doesn't have the draft picks to give. I mean, that's yeah. it's just not. Those are already gone. And, it's not. Yeah. And, and Kyrie's, yeah, Kyrie's probably going to want a new contract. And by the way, why would the Blazers sign Kyrie to $40 million a year when they have Dame for $40 million a year? And I know that's yeah, going to 50, but I'll take Dame at 10 million more expensive over Kyrie. So, I mean, 
it's this yeah. is it's not a feasible trade. I, you know, the reality is, in my mind, at least that that if Dame was going to leave, if that was something he was going to force this last off season would have been the time to do it. There was a lot of chaos. There was a lot. I mean, we, this is the worst that the team has been in a long time. And if he was going to do it, this would have been the time. And instead we've seen him continually confirm the fact that he's staying. We've seen him continue to invest in the team. We've seen him being very active with, you know, the, the workouts with the, um, with the members of the draft class that they've been, that they've been working out. We've seen him, you know, all these reports that he's very involved in the decision-making process. This is not a man who is looking to move out of Portland and join a different team. This is someone who is invested in what Portland is doing right now. And to me, that's plenty to, to not be having the conversation about what if they trade Dane. Yeah. Not now. It's just not. I mean, it's patently obvious that it's not going to happen now. Again, roll your percentile dice, you know, and if you get that 0.05%, which, by the way, would mean the Blazers drafted for themselves in the draft. The Blazers went into free agency and kind of struck out. And even then, I mean, they can... They would have to dump Nurkic and Anthony Simons in money-saving moves, I think, to to make Dame want out at this point. Even if they bring Nurk back and Ant back, uh, Dame's probably going to want to come back. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just a very, very small chance that that's a realistic possibility right now. Not to mention that every bat signal from the team, it's it's up in the sky. It might as well yep. say D dollar sign i mean they're yeah. they're throwing up that light like this is our guy still yeah. now the the caveat will be like okay we all know the marriage and then you know uh it, it, it hits the rocks or you know it and everybody says oh it's over and they go no 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 we're really gonna make it and they renew the vows and all the stuff like that the blazers and dame are kind of right there right now and sometimes that doesn't last uh, in fact, often it doesn't last. I believe that. But they're, they're not going to renew their vows and then just trade, right? Or leave. So, uh, yeah, you got, I think you got at least a year before you have to worry about that. Well, and I think on top of that, it's important to note, and this is actually something we're going to talk about tonight, uh, the comments that are coming in about Dame returning, um, specifically uh, Rosillo. Ros- I don't know how you say his name. Ros- Ryan Rosillo, Rosillo, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, don't worry, uh, you don't need to know. I'm the worst with names if I'm just reading them. If they're names that I don't hear regularly, I'm terrible. It's no problem, Daya. <laughs> yeah. Um, so his comments about Dame, I'll, I'll go ahead and read it for you. He said ESPN had him at number eight in their top 100. I think Portland is so off the radar. I don't know that people are updating what they think of Damian Lillard as much as we have with the other guys that are in the playoffs. But I just feel that there's a second act with him where he's going, where we're going to be reminded of how special he is at taking over games. I'm not saying he's the number one of a championship contender. I think it's very clear that's not going to happen. But if anything, the approval rating might be a little lower than it should be because of the whole Portland thing is no one cares right now. And it's not even a reflection of him. Um, I think that's pretty accurate. I think the fact is that, you know, Portland royally tanked. They succeeded greatly in tanking this season to the point that people really kind of stopped paying attention to what the team was doing. And with Dame out, you know, even when, even when Portland has struggled in previous years, Damian Lillard has still been great. 
And so there's still been talk surrounding Dame, even if Portland isn't doing well. And this year, Dame was out so early in the season that people really just kind of forgot about him or wrote him off. And I think that, you know, coming back from an injury and a, and a surgery and, and recovery like he is, there's always a chance that the player's not going to be as good as they were. But I have every... I have every expectation that Dame is going to come back and he is going to be just as good. I think if, you know, he's had all this time now to recover and to work out and to play with the team. And I think if they were not seeing the Damian Lillard that we're used to seeing, they would be managing expectations right now. I think we would be hearing things about how, well, you know, it takes a long time and he might not be back to what he was and whatever else. And we're not hearing those things. So to me, I, I would, I, fully expect Damian Lillard to come back and be the Damian Lillard that we knew before his injury. And I think that that's something that people have kind of forgotten about. So I'm looking forward to that because at the end of the day, you know, especially as Blazers fans, we've, you know, we, we haven't won a championship in since before my time, but having a player like Damian Lillard makes it fun to watch even when we're not winning. Stop it, old lady. Are you laughing? Since before my time. Well, I mean, I wasn't alive when we won a championship. Just stop that. Stop reminding us all of that, you spring chicken. You, <laughs> it's you been just, a while, Dave. You just had a birthday. You're you're older now. But uh, so, yeah, uh, look, I think the second act description is apt, okay? I, I think this is clear. This is a clear dividing line in Damian Lillard's career. He is no longer the up-and-coming youngster, which he hasn't been for a while. He is also no longer the absolute perennial paramount playoff performer, alliteration for the win, uh, that that we came to expect to... to it, it was surprising if he didn't surprise us, let's put it that way. You're not going to see that dame forever or for much longer. But what you had is you have an intermission here. He's going to come back, and I believe his performance right after this intermission is probably going to be close to what it always was, maybe even a little better. I mean, you know, you're going to see a reprise of that day that you knew. The difference is you're no longer going to be able to bank on it in perpetuity, that eventually he's going to become the 35-year-old Dame or the 37-year-old Dame, which I suspect he has the ability to be, he has a little Chris Paul in him. I think, you know, he'll manufacture, change his game. He'll be there, okay? But it will not be the first act Dame. I'm okay with that. The question will be, is the arc of the team support it? For right now, you can make the argument that it does. Fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, good, good enough that they keep him I think we just need to realize that we have turned a page in Dame's career and he needs to forge a new path here, whether that's with the Blazers or not. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if I think we're there yet. I think he's still got a little time on him. I think it'll be interesting to see where he where he is when he comes back. Literally what uh, I just said. Though. Well, he, no, I mean yours I think he's still got a little bit of time to see the Dame that we're used to, is what I'm saying. Also literally what I just said. Okay. <laughs> like I misunderstood. He's, yeah, he's got like he's got this beginning of the second act. The, the first fifteen minutes, you're gonna hit a wow chorus you know, this is gonna be one of the standards of the musical that you're gonna remember and people are gonna sing in high school. Okay. You're gonna get that. But then we're gonna we're gonna start to tumble toward the ending. 
Got you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and you're right. There, there are players that they hit that peak and then they just, it's downhill. And then there are players like you mentioned, Chris Paul, who, who can do that and, and just readjust their game and still be really good players. And I, I agree. I think that's what we're going to see with him. We have a couple other things to talk about. Um, but I think let's start with something that I don't really want to talk about because it's terrible, sad, awful news, but um, worth a discussion. Um, former trailblazer Caleb Swanigan uh, passed away. The news of his death was shared today. He was 25 years old. Um, he was a uh, he played at Purdue and then went on to play uh, for three years, I believe, with the Trailblazers. And and, the Kings. and he yeah, he also played with the Kings. Um, you know, he's been out of the league for a little bit and there were some documented struggles. I don't think we knew a lot of details about what was going on with him, but uh, he did not seem to be completely well for a while. Um, and then I, I hadn't seen anything else after that. But uh, it's terribly sad news. Now, the report is that he passed away from natural causes, um, which is vague. And, and as a 25-year-old, I, I can't even begin to imagine. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think uh, I watched some, some narratives kind of going around about him before he passed away. Uh, and I think this is just, again, a reminder that these athletes are humans. They have struggles. They have, um, you know, they have shortcomings. They have things that they deal with in their lives that are difficult. Um, and they also have families and people that love them. And right now his family, I'm sure is, is struggling, is mourning, is hurting. And so, um, you know, our, our hearts go out to them and, and our thoughts and, um, hopefully, you know, he found peace and, and was in a good place, um, at the end of his life. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's tough. It's tough when anybody, it's tough when anybody passes away, but especially at such a young age, it's just, it's tragic. Yeah. I mean, everything you just said, uh, and let's remember, I think what Caleb was able to give us and he was kind of unique, not necessarily in his impact on the court, but his story that, he was the guy who was drafted because he had made it and because he had worked for it and succeeded coming from a background that was difficult. Uh, and people thought that with his weight and with the struggles that he had to work through, that there was a good chance that he might not make it to an NBA level, which is percentage wise, he shouldn't have. Right. But he did. And from the moment he came into the league, he had that story. Uh, He worked. He excelled from the moment he hit the court in summer league, you know, first first team all summer league in 2017. Uh, He continued to work hard every moment that I saw him on the court, especially early in his career. And just was, I think, an inspiration that things are possible and okay you can name a hundred other players who turned out to be more on an NBA level even for the Blazers but that 
particular story. And I know and I know it's kind of duplicated. I know Jerome Kersey is the archetype of that. And I get it. Coming out of Longwood College and, you know, succeeding and starting and all that. Uh, great. But Jerome also, when you looked at Jerome and you saw Jerome and you traced Jerome's background, you saw it. Okay, you can see where point A, point B connects. With Caleb, that wasn't necessarily there. And maybe it wasn't there at the end of his life, too. We don't know. But what we do know is for a moment there, when he was with us, when he was with this team, that point A and point B were magically together. And that gave hope to everyone who's ever been told, you can't do it, you won't do it, it will never happen. And if you look at the number of institutions, the number of situations that we face nowadays, where it's just oppressive, where you just look and you go, there's no way I can make a difference. There's no way I can do a thing that I feel that I'm called to do. And even if I did it, nobody would notice. Even if I did it, it, didn't, it wouldn't matter. For a moment, somebody noticed with Caleb. He made us notice. And that, I think, is his gift, at least to this fan base, and something for which he should be remembered. I also think it's important to mention, you know, as as I've watched today on social media, story after story after story of his impact has come out off the basketball court. Um, the kind of kind of human he was, that he was kind and he was considerate and, you know, he gave back to his community. He volunteered. He did things to help the people around him. And I think that anytime you're talking about someone's life and their legacy, you know, yes, he played basketball at an extremely high level and we enjoyed watching him on the team and, and rooted for, I, for one, really rooted for him. And even when he left the NBA, I always kind of hoped he'd have a comeback. But at the end of the day, basketball isn't the thing that's important. It's not the thing that, you know, leaves the kind of impact that who you are as a human being can leave. And I think that, you know, the stories that I'm seeing coming out today from the people who knew and loved him uh, are all stories of, of his kindness, of his big heart, of his, you know, desire to give back to the community and the people around him and to, to just live a life that mattered. And I think that you can see that his did in, in things that are being said about him now. So, um, you know, again, just, we we were sad to hear hear this news and and you know hope for for peace for his family and, and friends. Absolutely. Okay, um, a couple other things going on. Uh, so the Hornets, we talked about this briefly a couple times. Um, they had interviewed Terry Stotts for the position, hired someone else uh, who was um, Kenny Atkinson. Uh, yeah, who is a coach with the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, assistant. Mm -hmm. Golden State Warriors go on and win a championship, and he decides, hey, I think I'm going to stay. Um, so, which, you One know. One can only imagine how, you, you what now? What? It's, it's like, will you go to prom with me? Of course. And then, you know, <laughs> a week before the prom. Well, I changed my mind. Like, oh, my, I had a carnation. I, 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 I've shined my shoes. 
You can't blame him. You can't blame him for wanting to stay with a team, you know, that's essentially a dynasty at this point that he's been a part of. You, you can't blame him, but he's backed out of that job, which opens it back up. And, you know, again, opens the question, will Terry Stotts end up as a head coach in the NBA this season? Um, maybe with the Hornets. We'll see. There's, you know, I haven't heard anything Mike about Mike D'Antoni uh, was the next interview. So Stotts may be below the D'Antoni line at this point, which is interesting. And one wonders, I mean, you've got to think there's an opportunity for him. I, I believe there is. Yeah. One wonders if he'll have to go the lead assistant or assistant head coach route. I hope he doesn't. I think he's merited not. But anyone, by the way, anyone who can get Stotts on that basis is absolutely making out like a bandit. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, for yeah. sure. This for happens sure. in the NFL a lot, though. Like uh, a head coach will become an offensive or defensive coordinator again for a while before getting recycled into another job. In the NBA, it's... Not uncommon, but it's it's more rare. I just I can't I can't imagine wanting D'Antoni more than Stotts at this point, uh, and I can't imagine Terry getting passed over for a ton more jobs. But who knows? I, I'm not a GM. Yeah, I, I have hope he'll land somewhere. Um, but you know, we just kind of keep watching, keep watching and see. But the Hornets are back up for grabs, so who knows? Maybe we'll see him there. Poor Charlotte. Um, Poor Charlotte. I mean, it's just like, that's like, we choose you. Okay, no. Like, uh, it's it's Ralph Wickham and Lisa Simpson. I mean, it's just not good. But what is good is this Thursday is the draft. <laughs> yes, today as we speak. We're, well, nice yeah, segue. When good segue, dear. Yeah, that was professional. Thank you. Good segue. Thank you. Well, um, I mean, my Simpsons reference was pretty good, too, but that segue was nice. <laughs> We are heading into the draft. It's the first year that I can remember in quite a while that I feel really invested. Uh, the Trailblazers, obviously. Because it's the first year they've had a pick in forever. Yeah, especially a first round. Yes. Uh, number seven, we, we've got, you know, and, and up until just really today, uh, everything that I've heard has been leaning towards the Trailblazers are going to trade the pick <laughs> for something, someone. And as of today, it's come out, it's been reported that they will be holding on to the pick most likely and drafting with it. So it's been rumored, let's put it that way. Rather, uh, yeah. Yes, reported, but I mean, reported with an asterisk that this report is probably no more binding than any of the other ones that had yeah, them doing a thousand other fair. things. That's fair. Um, but, you know, it, it'll be interesting. So the rumor is that the Trailblazers will be going. After Shaden Sharp, um, I got feelings about this. Dave, do you have feelings about this? Well, let's run down Shaden Sharp first, and then you can do your feelings, and I'll share a little bit more. Okay. About, uh, like, first of all, the the new hotness. There's always going to be a new hotness happening, right? This is like, okay, th seriously, this is not like the dating game where you choose one. Sorry to do all these relationship things, but whatever. It's not like the dating game. It's literally Bumble or Tinder where you're just swiping right on a bunch of people, okay? Uh, Shaden Sharp. What has he got to re recommend him? Uh, athletic. I mean, 6'6 is a good height for a shooting guard. Uh, he has even a longer wingspan than that, really long arms. Um, and he is 18 years old. He's also the mystery guy, which is just like, okay, it feels to me like here comes another relationship thing. You know, just before you get married and you think, sorry, maybe 
women don't do this, but a lot of guys do. Like, okay, I'm going to get married to this person forever, and I really want to get married to this person forever, but you know what? In the back of my mind, I am now cataloging all the people that I could be with instead, and do I really want to give that up? And there's always one who's just like, this is the unknown beauty that I might be leaving and behind. don't get married. If that is what your brain is okay. doing, no, 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 okay. not get married. It's not real, is my point. It's like, it's just that fear <laughs> mechanism, like, latching on to some rando waitress uh, down at Denny's. Like, you're literally, okay, uh, 10 minutes after the wedding, you're going, I'm glad I married the person I've got. I've wanted to stay with them forever. But in that span right before, your mind is whipping through all those people. This feels like Shaden Sharp is this. And he's the big unknown of this draft, right? Now, here are the advantages I can see. Other people might value him for the same reason, so he might be tradable in a now and later sense. If they aren't literally drafting for someone else, that you can see Shaden Sharp being thrown in. And by the way, not just this year, but a year from now, because it's going to take him a while to develop. Here's the disadvantage that I see. It's going to take him a while to develop. So uh, even though you're tucking him behind Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons, that's not a lot of help right now. And also, you've just taken away your biggest lever to make trades. Now, maybe they think Shaden Sharp and someone like Jeremy Grant uh, that they can get for a not number seven pick. Or maybe they think they can get John Collins for less. Who knows? But if, if they're doing that, okay, it's a risky gambit. At least it's a gambit. It's two players. But unless they've got something up their sleeve to really help, help now, I don't think Shaden Sharp is your guy. Yeah, this doesn't seem like a good move to me at all. I mean, there's the, the I'm sure he's a brilliant basketball player. If he's being considered this high of a of a pick, he's obviously talented. There are things that you just listed off that are great assets in a player. But the Portland Trailblazers do not need another guard. Let's not draft another guard. Let's not do that again. I, I think that combined with the fact that there's so much unknown with him, it, it's just, it, it doesn't make sense to me. This doesn't seem like the move. I don't even know if he'll be available at seven, to be honest. Um, but I, 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 I'll be honest, Dave, as much as it would be fun to watch the Trailblazers draft somebody in, in an early pick like this, I hope they don't. I hope that they use that pick to acquire somebody else that's already established. We've had this conversation before, um, but uh, it's hard for me to really get very excited about anybody in the draft for the Blazers simply because I keep kind of hoping they're not going to draft. Um, So I don't know. I don't think this is it. Well, I mean, you made a great point there. Why is he available at number seven? Because he fell to number seven. I mean, right. and uh, obviously, okay, he's not under consideration for pick one or pick two, probably not even pick three. But that's now three other teams who are all in need of help, and by the way, probably need guards more than the Blazers do, uh, yeah. who have also said, I know this guy is a lottery ticket, but we're not thinking he's hitting enough to draft. So we're taking someone who is also unknown, but less unknown, and maybe with a lower ceiling than this guy, because we really don't think he's going to pan out. And by the way, I have a hunch that Mr. Sharp is going to find out that there's a huge difference between whoever's been defending him so far 
and who is going to defend him in the NBA, especially if he is considered the new hotness. I mean, everybody's going to, and I'm not saying that he'll have more of a reputation than Jabari Smith Jr. or whatever, but you know what? Jabari Smith Jr., that's professional. I mean, you know, they're going to go, okay, there's a professional player. I'm a professional player. I'm not expected to beat up on Jabari Smith Jr., right? But Shaden Sharp, this guy coming into the league with a reputation, he's never played a minute of college ball, and he got drafted number seven, and he's supposed to be the big, you know, mega bucks jackpot. I'm going to go, and I'm going to clean his clock, and then I'm going to be the new mega bucks jackpot. Now, I'm not saying that Sharp couldn't overcome that, but I think he's going to have a special bullseye on him for defenders until he proves that he can beat them, and I don't know that Portland wants to go through that learning curve. Yeah, I, I, I'm anxious I'm ready for the draft to be over. I love draft night because I, like I've said before, I love watching these young guys, you know, fulfill a dream. I love seeing the night that changes their lives forever. Uh, There's something really exciting about that to me. And I think especially with Portland finally having a horse in the race, that makes it a little bit more exciting. So if they do decide to use the pick, it'll be a really fun night on Thursday. But frankly, I just really kind of hope they don't. So we'll, but we're going to find out here soon. I mean, that things are, things are moving. By the time this podcast is out, there will be some answers here. Two asterisks here that staying with Sharp though. Number one is he's the kind of guy that you'd get at like 11 or 13 without a second thought, right? right. I, I just don't, and seven, I get his borderline. Maybe there's no one better. I get it. If he's the best player available, you got to take him. It's just, you got to know that you're in kind of no man's land there. You're in high risk territory making that move. But here's the other thing is that, Sharp was associated with Damian Lillard, who kind of gave him a nod or of approval. And of course, Lillard had done this before. I mean, name check Donovan Mitchell, right, in Utah. Uh, so, look, I get it. But that story got spun a little bit. As far as I could see, Damian Lillard said that Shaden Sharp is likely to be a good player. The story got spun as Damian Lillard wants Shaden Sharp. Those are two different things. As yeah, dramatically different. Exactly. Every father in the audience knows this, right? You walk by the store and you go, oh, that's a pretty cool tie. And your kids go, ah, dad wants a tie. Dad wants a tie. Now we've got a gift for him. You know, and you end up with like 32 ties, half of which are ugly. And you're like, oh, no, I shouldn't have said that. You kind of misconstrued. It was a cool tie, but it's not what I wanted for Christmas, right? It feels like there's some gray area there with Lillard's kind of pat on the head to Sharp and uh, how people are interpreting it. That said, if they draft him, it'll be exciting. So be it. But, I mean, caveat emptor on both this rumor and on Sharp himself. Yeah, we'll be talking about this with a little more um, definite answer next week. So that's that's coming. Thursday's the day. Uh, last thing for this podcast this week is summer league summer league is approaching pretty quickly uh the schedule has been released so if that's something you're interested in that it's on blazer's edge you can go look it up there but i believe there's five four games four games um and i I, summer league's a fun time i'm i'm looking i have some one of the guys from the clippers g league that i've been you know kind of gotten to know and be friends with is is going to be playing for the blazers um summer league he's played for the blazers summer league before so i'm excited for that his name is george king 
If you are watching Summer League, watch for him. He's a lot of fun to watch. He's a dynamic player and somebody, I mean, he was always one of my favorites to watch with with the G League. Um, You know, there will probably be some other names that we'll recognize. I think that those will start. Has has the full roster been announced? No, not entirely. And of course, it can't be until the draft's done. I mean, because they're going to be draftees. So we'll start to see, you know, those names coming out here pretty soon as well. Um, Have you ever been to Summer League, Dave? Oh, yeah. Plenty used yeah. to go in the early years of Blazers Edge a lot, and then other people went, and then COVID hit. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but they, to be fair, the experience has changed over the years, and I'm sure we could talk about that more. I will say this, though of the players the Blazers can get, Shaden Sharp would make Summer League the most fun, hands down. <laughs> yeah. There is nobody that you're going to want to see more in Summer League than Shaden Sharp, and that's actually true for the entire NBA. I mean, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, uh, okay, you, you kind of know what they're going to do, but uh, Shaden Sharp, it's like we'll have a spotlight on him. So if the Blazers get him, not only they will be the, they be angling to be Summer League champions once again, but also uh, they will have the bell of the ball when it comes to media coverage in July. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm ready to to see some more Blazers. It feels like it's been five years since the Blazers played. Partly, I think, just because of how we ended the season and not being in the playoffs and all of that. But I'm I'm ready to see some some Blazers basketball again. Yes, with an asterisk. But yeah, there'll be a first rounder in there. Well, maybe. Actually, we do not know that if a trade goes down, right? So, and and by the way, and I said this on radio the other day, here's the magic words. You're, you might not know exactly what the trade is, or you may know, who knows, by the draft by draft time. But you want to hear somebody say, we understand that the Blazers are probably picking for someone else here. Very seldom is that phrase uttered, and it does not turn out to be true. So those are the magic words, whether or not we know the deal or not. I mean, you, you might know by now. It's already done. Uh, but even if we don't know by tonight... If we hear those words, they might be drafting for somebody else. Uh, somewhere back there is some pretty certain knowledge that this uh, this player is going to be traded for somebody. Yeah, that's all I got, Dave. Well, that's plenty. I mean, this was great. Uh, good pre-draft workout. And of course, we'll have tangible stuff to talk about next week. Yay! Yay! So, all right. Well, for... Myself, I was going to say, for Dave Deckard, I I am Dave Deckard. I'm tired. (laughs) For me, and the always resplendent and now a year older, happy birthday, by the way, uh, Gia Miller. Uh, We will wish you a happy draft day and draft night. Happy Christmas in late June. And we will talk to you again next week. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop. But then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave sends her an alley-oop. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent.